Hello, it's time for a bedtime story. Are you cuddled up and ready to listen? Good, then we'll begin. Tonight's story is called The Mighty Monster Afang. There was a great monster named the Avang that lived in a big bog hidden among the high hills and inside of a dark, rough forest. This ugly creature had an iron-clad back and a long tail that could wrap itself around a mountain. It had four front legs with big knees that were bent up like a grasshopper's but were covered with scales like armour. These were hard as steel and bulged out at the thighs. Along its back was a ridge of horns, like spines, and higher than an alligator's. Against such a tough hide, when the hunters shot their darts and hurled their javelins, the weapons fell down to the ground like harmless pins. On this monster's head were big ears, halfway between those of a jackass and an elephant. Its eyes were as green as leeks and were round, but scalloped on the edges like squashes, while they were as big as pumpkins. The Avang's face was much like a monkey's, with long, straggling grey hairs around its cheeks. It always looked as if a napkin, as big as a bath towel, would be necessary to keep its mouth clean. Yet even then it slobbered a good deal, so that no nice fairy liked to be near the monster. When the Avang growled, the bushes shook, and the oak leaves trembled on the branches, as if a strong wind was blowing. But after its dinner, when it had swallowed down a man or two calves, or four sheep, or a fat heifer. Its body swelled up like a balloon. Then it usually rolled over, lay along the ground, or in the soft mud, and felt very stupid and sleepy for a long while. All around its lair lay wagon loads of the bones of the creatures it had devoured. But when the Avang was ravenously hungry, and couldn't get wild animals, and when little girls and careless boys were scarce, it would live on birds, beasts and fishes. Although it was very fond of cows and sheep, the wool and the hair of these animals stuck in its big teeth. It often felt very miserable and its usually bad temper grew even worse. Then it would cut down a tree, sharpen it to a point and pick its teeth until its mouth was clean. Yet it seemed all the more hungry and eager for fresh human victims to eat just as children like cake more than bread. What made the people mad beyond measure was the trick which the monster often played upon them by breaking the river banks and the dams which with great toil they'd built to protect their crops. Then the waters would overflow all their farms, ruin their gardens and spoil their cowhouses and stables. This sort of mischief the Avang loved to play, especially the time when the oat and barley crops were ripe and ready to be gathered. So the people decided the time had come to stop this monster's mischief. It was bad enough that people should be eaten up, but to have all their crops ruined and all their animals drowned so that everyone had to go hungry all winter was too much for human patience. Someone may ask, why did some brave man not shoot the Avang with a poisoned arrow or drive a spear into him under the arms where the flesh was tender or cut off his head with a sharp sword? The trouble was just here. There were plenty of brave fellows ready to fight the monster, but nothing made of iron could pierce that hide of his. It was like armour, and the Avang always spit out fire or poison breath down the road up which the man was coming, long before anyone could get near him. Nothing would do 
but to go up into his lair and drag him out. There was one valiant damsel of great beauty who had lots of perfumery and plenty of pretty clothes volunteered to trap the monster in his lair. She said, I'm not afraid. Her sweetheart was named Gadern, and he was a young and strong hunter. He talked over the matter with her and they resolved to act together. He went all over the country, summoning the farmers to bring their ox teams and log chains, and then set the blacksmiths to work, forging new and especially heavy chains made of the best native iron from the mines which Wales is still famous for. Meanwhile, the lovely maiden arrayed herself in her prettiest clothes, dressed her hair in the most enticing way with flowers in it. Then she sailed forth and up into the lake where the big bog and the waters were, and where the monster hid himself. While the maiden was still quite a distance away, the terrible Avang, scenting his visitor from afar, came rushing out of his lair. When he very near, he reared his head high in the air, expecting to pounce on her with his iron-clad claws and at one swallow make breakfast of the girl. But her perfume was so sweet that he forgot what he had thought to do. Moreover, when he looked at her, he was so taken with her unusual beauty that he flopped at once on his forefeet and behaved just like a lovelorn man when his best girl comes near. So the Avang began to spruce up. It was very funny to see how a monster behaves when smitten with love for a pretty girl. He had no idea how funny he was. The girl was not at all afraid, but smoothed the monster's back, stroked and played with its big moustaches and tickled its neck until the Avang's throat actually gurgled with a laugh. When he started laughing, the people down in the valley thought it was thunder, though the sky was clear and blue. The maiden tickled his chin, stroked his neck, and soon she gently lulled him to slumber by singing a lullaby which her mother had taught her. This she did so softly and sweetly that in a few minutes, with its head in her lap, the monster was sound asleep and beginning to snore. Then, quietly, from their hiding places in the bushes, Gadern and his men crawled out. They'd wrapped the links of the chain in grass and leaves so that no clanking was heard, and slowly but surely they passed the chain over the monster, across its body, and binding the brute securely between its fore and hind legs. All this time the girl kept on singing her lullaby and the monster slept on. When the forty yoke of oxen were all harnessed together and attached to the chain, the drovers cracked all their whips at once so that it sounded like a clap of thunder and the whole team began to pull together. The Avang woke up with a start. It roused the monster to its wrath and its bellowing was terrible. It rolled around and around and dug its four sets of toes into the ground. It tried hard to crawl into its lair or to slip into the lake. Finding that neither was possible, the Avang looked about for some big tree to wrap its tail around, but it was no use. The drovers plied their whips and the oxen kept on with one long pull together and forward. They strained so hard that one of them dropped its eye out. This formed a pool, and to this day they call it the pool of the ox's eye. It never dries up or overflows, though the water in it rises and falls as regularly as the tides. For miles over the mountain they hauled the monster. The pass over which they toiled and strained is still named the pass of the oxen's slope. 
in a great hole in the ground, big enough to be a pond, they dumped the carcass of the Avang, and soon a little lake was formed. This uncanny bit of water is called the Lake of the Green Well. It is considered dangerous for man or beast to go too near it. Birds do not like to fly over the surface, and when sheep tumble in, they sink to the bottom at once. If the bones of the Avang still lie at the bottom, they must have sunk down very deep, for the monster had no more power to get out or to break the river banks. The farmers no longer cared anything about the creature, and they hardly ever think of the old story, except sometimes when a sheep is lost. As for Gadern and the brave maiden, they were married and they lived happily ever after. Good night.